Well, man, it's a good day. On the subject of joy, Charles Spurgeon said, there is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. See, most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. The blessed joy is very contagious. He says, one Dolores spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing whenever he goes, but the grace, the gift of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Um, now, I'm not sure how, how big of readers we are in the house and how far and wide we read, but there is a, an article, Christmas Eve, um, sorry, yeah, I got to take the mint out, sorry, um, Christmas Eve, 19, having a hard time catching my breath, I haven't had my inhaler this morning, but Christmas Eve, 1994, um, and this, before I say who wrote this, just, just know it was the Los Angeles Times, okay, so most of the times, if we read that, we probably don't read it because it's probably not worth reading, but in 94 Christmas Eve, this was amazing, this is what they said, it was published, this, this piece, and it's called A Tale of Jesus' Birth which provides a look at social climate of the times. Listen to what it says. It says, it's a cold Mediterranean night some 2,000 years ago. Joseph and a pregnant Mary are trudging through rough terrain on donkey and foot, making the 100-mile trip from Nazareth to Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem. Had it been a voluntary trip, the couple might have chosen to travel in the dry season, but they had no choice. It was for tax reasons that Mary and Joseph headed to Bethlehem, according to the story of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke. Now, far away in Rome, the emperor Caesar Augustus, or Caesar Augustus, um, had demanded a census be taken of all his conquered lands so that he might know what he would collect in taxes. In those days, taxes were paid in crops and animals. It's a good thing we don't have to do that now. We'd be in trouble. Um, I don't know how many crops you're growing in your backyard or animals you have, but your poor dog. Um, Mary and Joseph. New Testament scholars say Mary and Joseph lived in an oppressive society. They were heavily taxed by local and faraway rulers who some scholars believe demanded as much as 50 to 60% of what the common people grew and owned. Unlike the American system, which uses taxes to help the less fortunate, Mary and Joseph's tax, they were used to boost the wealth of rulers. Caesar decrees all the world to be taxed, says Richard Horsley, author of Liberation of Christmas, a book about the social and political climate at the time of Jesus' birth. So Joseph takes Mary back to Bethlehem. We could reasonably assume that Joseph had been farming there but couldn't make it. He probably left Bethlehem because of the debt he went, and he went about 100 miles from his home to find work. He says, Caesar was so tax-hungry, Horsley says, that if someone couldn't pay, the Romans would force the peasants to go back home and farm the land again, even though they were left because they couldn't make it. He suspects that Joseph, cast in biblical literature as a carpenter or woodworker, was actually a downwardly mobile peasant who had lost his land. Although some scholars disagree about whether an actual census was taking place, believe it, believing it really came years after the birth of Jesus, they don't dispute that the peasants at the time Jesus was born lived in an atmosphere of upheaval and social discontent. When Jesus was born, Herod the Great was king and ruled Judea, Samaria, and Galilee as a police state. Herod was known as a client king appointed by Rome to run a huge kingdom of Jews. 
hoarsely suggests a tense and often confrontational relationship existed between the farmers, fishermen, and the townspeople of Galilee and Herod, Roman officials and the urban um, aristocracy who held all the wealth and power. It's clear that Herod was brutal, says Douglas Oakman, a religious professor at Pacific Lutheran University. Jesus was born into essentially a third world context under a military dictatorship. It was a society where everyone was coerced. As in most agrarian societies, about 10% of the population was born into nobility and they lived lavishly. The remaining 90% worked in the fields around Nazareth, growing grapes, olives, grain. In Bethlehem, where it's drier, sheep and goats were raised. The, the people were substance farmers, raising one bag of food for themselves and one for Herod or Caesar, Oakman says. Some may have been better off than others, and we're talking about approximately 90% of the Mediterranean population, but most peasants lived a precarious existence. Biblical scholar John Dominican Crossan said in an interview in Christian Century Magazine. I think it's safe to say that by our standards, injustice was built into this system. 10% of the top controlled virtually everything. While the rich prospered, the peasants suffered, and their hatred for Herod and the Romans grew. The Jews hated him because he had a reputation as a murderer and a thug, said Reverend John P. Meyer, a biblical scholar and professor. Certainly there was tension. No one likes to have a murderer living over them or to be heavily taxed. The whole concept of civil rights did not exist. And this was the context in which we find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, as he gives us his account of the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now, obviously, things in this culture were rough. Maybe you were listening and going, yeah, that sounds like here, but it's really nothing like here. It sounds like maybe some of our political talking points and our political banter, but it's nothing like here. It was rough. It was a rough place. It was hard. The people longed for rescue. They were longing for hope. They were longing for peace. They were longing for justice and fairness and just what was right. They, they wanted their identity divorced from Roman rule or even Rome's allowance of them to exist because that's what was happening. They were just being allowed to exist. So we open in Luke chapter 2. We start in verse 3, and we know that Augustus had called for this census. It starts, this is all the people we're on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. And the, storage, you know, the story goes on. It says, now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, he was betrothed to him at the time she was pregnant. So, so here's Joseph and Mary going betrothed, which in this culture actually was considered married, however, still not living together, still not consummated in marriage. And here they are heading to this census. She's pregnant. They're betrothed. This is pretty scandalous in this day. I mean, betrothed, but already about to give birth. Now, while they're there, a time comes where it's time for the baby to be born. Verse seven, she gives birth to her firstborn son. She wraps him in clothes, lies him in the manger, which is a feeding trough because there's no space for them in the Holiday Inn there. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. So you got all these things going on, right? 
We've heard this story maybe, I don't know how many times, but you've got this betrothed couple giving birth, angels showing up, freaking the shepherds out in the fields, right? They're just trying to do their business, trying to do their job. And this angel says to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy. Joy, somebody say joy. Say great joy. So this angel shows up on the scene to bring this good news of great joy. See, everything that this ancient world had been aching for and longing for and hoping for and praying for and watching for and waiting for, every story that had been passed down, they knew the prophecies of old 600, 700 plus years ago. And here's this angel showing up. They knew the stories from Father Abraham down to Moses, down to Jacob, down to King David, down to Isaiah, Micah. They, they've heard all of these things. And the angel says, what I'm about to tell you is about to bring you some great joy. You ever been waiting for something for so long? You almost just give up. Or you just decide, okay, well, this is my regularly scheduled program. This is life. This is all it is. This is all it's gonna ever going to be. I'm just going to coast through it. Well, all of a sudden, this big interruption happens. Every prophetic word is about to come into full focus. The angel says, what I'm about to tell you is about to bring great joy. What is joy? Well, I looked, as I often do to Merriam-Webster, and this is the definitions. The, man, that's really big. I feel like I need to get out of your way. <laughs> the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, delight. The expression or exhibition of such emotion, gaiety, a state of happiness, a felicity or bliss, but I like this one, a source or cause of delight, joy. I don't feel like that truly captures the essence of true spiritual joy for what it really is. But here is what we know. God knew that that world in that time and this world in this time, God knew that there was gonna be a need for redemption and rescue. God knew that this world was gonna need hope and peace. God knew this world was groaning and would continue to grieve and groan until he did something about it. Over and over, we can comb through the pages of history to see how depraved mankind can become, right? Over and over, we can read the accounts of old to see how desperate mankind is in need of salvation and redemption. And now, here's this angel showing up, announcing that everything was about to change for the best, right? He's saying, first of all, yeah, I know, I potentially like a 12-foot glowing version of Casper the Friendly Ghost, but don't freak out. I come with an amazing declaration. I bring to you this good news of great joy, which is for all the people. I'm about to announce breakthrough, he's saying. I'm about to announce spiritual miracle wonder-working powers, what he's saying. It's gonna become manifest before you and for you. That's what he's saying. I'm about to announce your rescue. I'm about to announce your salvation. I'm about to announce the, the way and the means by which the entire world can receive this salvation. I'm about to announce that God, who you believe may have gone dark, who may have seemed silent for the past 400 years, that God is about to start shouting through what is happening. Because right here in verse 11, today in the city of David, as prophecy has foretold, there's been born to you a savior who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah, who is the one that you've been hearing about, who is the one the stories have been passed down through generations. And this is the one who has been prophesied. This is the one you've been waiting for, longing for, aching for, watching for, praying for. Here it is. Now is the time. 
I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Listen, this is the Christmas story. The good news is the gospel. And it's impacting them and it's impacting us and it's gonna continue to impact this world until Jesus comes back. The good news is full of great joy and that is found in the person of Jesus. See, even today, though I'm no angel, I join in with the honor to humbly bring the same message. I too come to declare good news that will bring great joy and it'll be for all the people. So just a few quick takeaways. Number one, joy is for everybody. You're not immune. You weren't born an accident. You weren't born an oops. You're not overlooked. Joy is for everybody. You wanna know why I know this? Psalm chapter four, verse seven says, you've put this joy in my heart, first of all. The good news the angel brings is the gospel incarnate. The gospel is the good news. The angel's message was this good news of great joy. Joy is a gift of God to those who are in Christ. Jesus even talked about this. But John three sixteen is the number one reason why I know. It's for everybody. God so loved what? Oh, say it like you mean it. He so loved what? Joy is for everyone. Number two, joy is a gift. As I said, Psalm 4, 7, you put this joy in my heart. It's a gift. It's a gift. Jesus even talked about this in John chapter 15, verse 11. He says this. Um, he had just finished talking about remaining, abiding, um, the vine. And he says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. He wants to impart this gift to you and it would be the fullness of joy he says that your joy may be made full joy is a gift and it's a very important gift at that the bible instructs us in nehemiah chapter 8 that the joy of the lord will be your strength different from happiness the joy of the lord will be your strength what is going to sustain you through the dark night of the soul the joy of the lord what is going to sustain you when there's more month than money over and over? The joy of the Lord. What is going to sustain you when you don't know what's going on with your children, but you know that the, the enemy is only attacking every? The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord. See, in the English Standard Version of the Bible, I want you to know this. The words joy, rejoice, and joyful, do you know how many times they appear? 430 times. Do you know how many times the word happy appears or happiness? 10. It's probably why a lot of preachers say God didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. 430 times joy. This is because happiness is fleeting, but joy is stable and rooted in faith. Joy is lasting. It satisfies the heart in a unique and marvelous way like nothing much can. It's a, it, joy is a characteristic. It's an attribute of God's people found in his presence. Psalm 16, verse 11. I love this verse. You will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of? Come on. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. See, when you receive the gift of eternal and abundant life, we're given the fruit of the Spirit, which one of those is, guess what, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Number three, joy is contagious. It's contagious. Do you believe that? Do you know what I mean by that? That's why I said, hey, smile and look around. It's gonna turn everyone's frown into a crown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One of the best ways to introduce someone to Jesus is by choosing joy. It's by choosing to live 
a life that rejoices always in obedience to what Scripture tells us. Being full of joy. Philippians 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. You have reason to rejoice. He's not going to leave you in this dark night. He's not going to leave you in this mess. He's not going to leave. Look, he sees your kids. By the way, he loves your kids more than you do. He is more invested in your kids' salvation than you are. He loves them. It's not going to last forever. Be full of joy. You've got reason to hope. You've got reason for joy. Reason for joy. We got one sister in the house, and I'm not going to call her name out, but I'm going to tell you, she's, she is, she's good people. And she suffered a lot over the last year, especially. Diagnosis, treatments, sickness. It's almost not fair sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, in that person where the doctors in the world would say, sick, diagnosis, you need treatment. That person exudes more joy than most people I've ever met. Joy is contagious. Do you believe me? Watch this video. Hey, I'm, I'm really excited to share with you something I got. Okay, I went to Kohl's today. I had to make a couple returns. Ah, stuff didn't fit. Surprisingly, it was a little too big. Thank you. I know some of you may be thinking the opposite. Shame. No, no, no shame. It's all love. It's all love. Okay, so here's what I found when I was at Kohl's. And I'd like to say that I bought this for my son that would really, really want it. And let's be honest, he'll probably confiscate it from me. Confiscate? That's a word, right? Okay, so he'll probably take it from me. However... This is mine. Like when it's said and done at the end of the day, this is mine that I bought and I'm going to keep it for my own. You can see it kind of has Star Wars. Oh, you're getting a little hint. Okay. So you want to see what I got? It's so great. I can't wait to show you. Okay. Um, this is part of my, my birthday joy. Still uh, rejoicing in my birthday. And so here's what I got. I'm going to take it out of the box. And I can't wait to show you. Okay, I'm in a parking lot and people are literally looking at me like crazy. I don't even care. Okay, so here it is. Hold on, hold on. It may be a little tight. It may be tight on me. I got to undo it just a little bit. Hold on. Hold on. Stay patient, people. Stay patient. This is going to be worth it. I promise. Maybe not. Maybe not. But <laughs> it's worth it to me. And I had to share with my friends on the internet webs. So here's what... <laughs> having trouble getting it okay patient patient all right we're doing good doing good okay so this is what i got once again this is for me not for duncan not for cadence i mean i'll let them play with it i'm not a bad mom i'm not a jerk but in all honesty at the end of the day it doesn't go in their toy box it goes in my room so here we go i gotta take off my glasses for it <laughs> oh naturally okay here we go so yes now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> That's not me making that noise, it's the mask. Here, listen.
Chelsea, don't you feel okay. better already? Okay. <laughs> Listen. Oh my God. Some of y'all are gonna go. What did y'all learn at church today? Like we learned that. about Chewbacca. Ha! <laughs> it's the best. Don't you feel better already? Yeah. Me too. First time I saw that video, I had to watch it like two or three more times because when she starts going laughing like that, I can't not laugh. Joy is contagious. Hey, I want to introduce you to a friend. Candace, come on up here. Let's give it up for Candace Payne. If you don't recognize her, maybe she should put on a Chewbacca mask. <laughs> Candace, come have hey, a seat. Come on. Here you go. I'll hey, everybody. That's, that's always weird, watching that back. <laughs> Live in the room with people. Well, I, I do want to ask you, um, yeah. what, what made you want to post that that day? Like, what was going on in your head at Coles when you saw Chewbacca? <laughs> Actually, I, I'd made my way to Bath and Body Works. Like, it was calling to me from the back seat, like the drums in Jumanji. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It was one of those things where it was like, it's time to go play, you know? And, uh, and I actually just had Facebook Live for maybe, probably about two months. But what I didn't realize until I went to the Facebook headquarters after that video is that it had just rolled out eight days prior to me posting that to all users. So they rolled things out in different waves. Gotcha. So it became the most viral Facebook Live video ever. And it still is to this day. Okay, so hang on. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You are a normal mom doing normal life. I mean, that's debatable, but normal, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Texas, yeah, for Texas, y'all are my people, I get it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, normal but, for us. Yeah, normal but. for us. Um, and you find yourself at Kohl's and you've just gotten Facebook Live. You have yeah. zero idea that eight days later, you're going to be in the Facebook headquarters Yeah. and how many people had seen that video in that time frame? Well, by the time I went to bed that night. I had nearly a million views. And I thought, I don't know a million people. So, <laughs> privacy. So you, didn't, you didn't call everybody and say, hey, like, share, and follow. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, no. I Like, privacy settings are real, people. Like, choose. <laughs> choose what you post and to everybody. Um, but I went to bed that night and about a million views, and I jokingly put something on Instagram that said, hey, I might have a viral video. Joking, because I, I looked up Google said a viral video was one million views in 24 hours. And so I thought, this might happen. And I woke up the next morning, it had 23 million views. While I was sleeping, it just didn't go viral. It went mega viral. And to this day, I think it holds over 100 and... Um, You'll know it's over 200 million views right now because it just went viral again around Halloween, wow. like another 18 million. I don't know why. Um, somebody said they wanted to dress up like me as Halloween. And so then everybody was like, remember this lady? <laughs> and there's like a whole generation wait, of people wait, that have seen it. were they dressing up like Candace or Chewbacca? <laughs> uh, at, at this point, it's kind of, they meld together, so okay. I really don't know. Um, but no, it, and then by the time that the weekend was over, so this was posted on a Thursday, and talk about the synergy of a moment and kind of like the divineness of it, if you will. Um, but I posted that on May 19th, 2016. What I didn't realize, that was the actor, Peter Mayhew, that plays Chewbacca. It was his birthday. Oh, wow. And I had no clue about that. And so, like, people start sending it to him. Hey, you got to see this lady laughing in her car. Um, and I got to meet him a week later at the Dallas Comic Con. And after I'd been on James Corden, and James Corden announced that to me in the carpool karaoke cool. segment. So, I mean, it was like all this weird stuff just from that moment of freedom and laughter. Hmm. 
and 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 just actually sharing joy with somebody else. And for me, there was nobody in that car but me. But there was and Chewbacca, <laughs> that mask for sure. But there was a, a residual movement of millions that that could be captured through like this simple moment, and it yeah. still goes. And I think that real joy moments, real moments like that are authentically joyful, they have a stain. Yeah. They have a stain on you. They have a stain on your culture. They have a stain. And when I say they have a stain on the culture, literally, Lucasfilm and Disney had approached me and said, we love you. We love Chewbacca Mom. We love Candace. But we don't want her advertising stuff for Chewbacca because we were going to do a movie where Chewbacca was angry. Like we got to meet him as the scary Chewbacca. But now everything that's flying off the shelves are all these happy Chewbacca toys. And so, like when I say a moment of joy can really catapult and change a culture. Yeah, come on. It can change an entire culture. Are y'all understanding what she just said? Yeah. That's crazy. No, I still think it's dumb. I'm, I'm like, wow. Oh, it's wow. not dumb. It's awesome. It's well, awesome. Yeah, stupid dumb where you go, that's how it you're going to do? That's what you're going to do with my life. Great. It's good. It's good. Just well, laugh it up. You, hey, laugh the, first, it up. the first time I saw the video, and I told you this in the, in the, the lobby, is I said, okay, I've got to be friends with this person. That's immediately what I felt. And I can't help but believe that probably 200 million other people watched that video and thought, I want to be friends with this person. The most common comment I get, we would be best friends if we, li- if we lived on the same street. There you go. That's the most com- so common that I made 50 stickers that said it, and I gave it away to the first 50 people that naturally said it to me when I met them. And I was out in two days. Come on. It's, it's joy is Speaking not of, just contagious. Who's, yeah, who saw that video? Who's seen oh, it before? Yeah. Okay, who's seen it more than twice? <laughs> who's watched it more than three times? We're going to keep going. Five times. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, keep the hands up. Seven times. Okay, I see you. Do you have security for those three that we see? <laughs> we do have, we do have a safety team. This is how we find out. I will you tell know? you. We, we Real do, easy. Hey, we do have a safety team. I don't know who they are, though. Plausible deniability. But they are here. Gotcha. Always watching. Gotcha. Okay, so who, who are the last two? Was it Kay and you and Jordan? Was that it? So you've seen it more than seven times? Anybody else before I, before I move on? Okay, so you two, come up here for just a second, real quick. Oh, yeah. We've got a gift for you. Yeah, we do. We've got a gift for you. Tell, tell, our, tell our studio audience. Tell them audience. what they've won. Yeah, tell, tell them what they've what won, they Candace. Won. So I actually do my own merch at my own table. Like 80% of the stuff at my table is stuff that I've handmade. And so do you have them? I don't have them. They're down here. Okay. Britta's so I've made these joy Britta to Vanna the White. besties bag. <laughs> and so like I've handmade some ornaments and some goodies in there. So you each get one and there might be candy and stuff. And so, Hey, hey, security. Just playing. There you go. There, no, we're good. We're good. She <laughs> asked. She asked. It's playing. the weird ones that don't ask. And yeah. then you're on the floor and you're like, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. Merry Christmas. Yeah, let's go Merry for it. Christmas. We're going to hug too. See she everybody, did. it pays to watch viral videos. <laughs> she said she shared it more than seven times. Oh, there you go. Okay. Where'd you go? She's all the views. That was her. That's good. That all the her. views. 200 million times. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. <laughs> Turns out her hobby is your social media video, but no. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. disturbing <laughs> on so many levels. So, so okay. Levels. You've posted this video. Yeah. What, tell me about your life, though, because from my understanding, you've been through some hardship, and, yeah. and you know, 
you, who, who sometimes you're choosing joy. You're choosing rejoice, but it's also who God's created you to be. But kind of give us some backstory there uh, before this video and, and just help people understand who Candace is. You know, I, I honestly, I could write like volumes of material on this and I've, I've got a book that I've written that could tell you more of my story if you want to hear the hard stuff. But I think we're in a culture right now that we love to know, are you worthy of having joy? Did you really go through what I've been through? Uh, or if not, then <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You've just got rose-colored lenses, the world's rainbows and unicorns and happiness to you. That's cool. You're naive. Um, but the reality is, is that every ounce of joy that I have has been a fight to obtain. And it's been even more so a fight to keep. And now I'm finding myself in a third fight, which is a fight to share and to like give out as much as I can, like to be open-handed and throw it like rocks and see what sticks. Because I think people in this world need to understand not just the joy of the Lord is your strength, but it, it's the things that make God happy, that make his soul go, this is the delight of me, that will be your strength. It's not your own personal desires for fame or relationship or wealth or anything of that nature. When we're talking about the joy of the Lord being your strength, it's what God stirs your heart. In the end of my life, when I come to see you, what can I say that I have given to make you happy? And a lot of times we think that happiness with the Lord is, is really just our performance. And the reality is, is that it's, it's honestly submission of just saying whatever you want with my life, however you want to do it, whatever comes, whatever may be, I can still stand on the fact that I am secure in you. I am free in you. There's nothing I should fear. There's nothing I should give credence to, to say that this is going to take my trust and make me waver. Those are the things that cause you to have joy spill out, is when you're confidently set in who you are and whose you are, the joy of the Lord does become your strength because you're like, this is not about my life. It's not about what I want. It's not about me. It's about the things at the end of the days when I will be face-to-face -face with the creator, when all things will be made new. That's the moment when I'll see what puts a smile on his face. And I say, that's what's going to give me strength to walk through today. That's good. That's good. That's good, somebody. <clears throat> what would you say has been the most surprising thing about this platform that just overnight God puts you on? You know what I'm saying? I'm, we're, we're seven years ago. And I'm still here doing this. Like, that's a surprise in and of itself, right? Um, that there's longevity to this. But I will say a lot of people make assumptions that a viral video just happened to you or that that was just a moment where you laughed your head off for four minutes. And I will agree that there's some part of that that really was just happenstance and fun luck, right? Um, but I will say this too. What people don't understand that's so surprising to most to find out is the full year prior to that moment on May 19th, I had spent a year in private with the Lord clearing idols. Wow, come on. Clearing out junk from my life that were habits and sins that I just struggled with. And I said, no more. I mean, like, I felt like God was saying, this is your Esther year in 2015. I'm going to take the first six months and I'm going to clear out all the idolatry. Wow. And the second six months, I'm going to make you beautiful to the world in a way you didn't even think possible. Come on. And so I end up finding myself the week of my birthday, because my birthday is my personal new year. 
The week of my birthday was May 13th. The Lord told me, get ready, something's coming to honor what you've done this past year. And I mean, like I wrote it down in my prayer journal. It's in a Bible still. And I mean, like it was so specific. And then that video happened on that Friday, my same week. And so what I wanted to tell you is this, is that joy is not accidental either. A lot of people think that it's really just kind of, oh, maybe joy will happen to you. But can I tell you that joy seeps in the cracks of your home when you least expect it? And we often push it away because we don't feel worthy of it. Mm. And what I want to encourage you is that when joy comes, messy bun, dirty hair, washed out face or not, you accept its invitation and you join it. And you don't push it away. And I, I really feel like people, if you want to know why I'm able to talk now six, seven years removed about joy, it's because the church, the, the ones that represent the hope of glory, have the biggest deficit in joy. We have the biggest lack and the biggest need. And I'll tell you, it all comes from the Holy Spirit because it says it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Right. You cannot plant apple seeds and expect a lemon tree to grow. That's right. And we're trying to get joy out of our lives doing all the wrong things when all we've got to do is just say, have your way, God. Move in my life. It's yours. Let's go. And then make it fun. And it is. It is. I just wish I could just take the church sometimes and just shake y'all and be like, wake up. Wake up. There's more. There's so much more. And the world needs to see not just a fake smile on your face. This isn't a fake it till you make it theology. They need to see the genuine joy of being in his presence, being a submitted follower, and living your life wholly devoted to God. Because ultimately, if you believe that he is as good as he says he is, you can't help but get excited about it. That's so good. That's so good. So with the, uh, with the internet being what it is, what's been hard about this too? It's, it, it's, it can't have been all... Have you had the trolls and the, the means and all the things? More than you would know. So um, <laughs> when you become, uh, and I'll just use this word because I didn't seek it, but when you become famous to a certain level, uh, you now have the right, according to the world, to say whatever they want to about you and to assume anything that they want to about you and to then devote fact to that and repeat it as though it's true. <laughs> um, I, I give a lot of grace for news headlines now that I never gave in my life. I give a lot of, um, of moments where I go, we don't know the full story before I believe. Um, but I will say this. This is the weirdest thing that has happened is uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2. If you've happened to see that movie, it's Ralph Breaks the Internet. They make a reference to Chewbacca Mom in the film. And so I'm Disney canon now, by the way. <laughs> but there's a section in there where Ralph is looking at the comments. And he gets heartbroken. And I mean, I, I watched that movie the, the night of the premiere. They invited me to see it. And I'm surrounded by all these incredible people. And I'm sitting there trying to hide back the, the tears. I mean, I, I just lost it. Because you'll never understand how fully people will combat such an incredible, pure, good thing when you begin to take a stand for it or when you begin to represent it in a way that they can't understand. And I will tell you, um, some of the nastiest comments when I click through to see who it came from, they say they love Jesus. And um, I mean, I've got to be honest with the church here. I've got to be honest with y'all. Some of the most nasty, vitriol, horrible words don't come out of other people's mouths. It comes out of the churches. 
And what I've, what I've seen because of that and what I've reconciled with that is that the need is so incredibly intense for us to understand this part of the Lord. Yeah. We've yeah. had it wrong for years, and I don't want to preach your whole message. I see the clock. We're late. No, you're good. Um, but They're used to it. <laughs> hey, good job, everybody. I like this culture. Um, what I will say is this, is, you know, in the beginning of your message, you said that's why preachers say that he, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. I, I've actually become to argue that now. Oh, yeah. When I actually stood on the Mount of Beatitudes in Israel, I went and I read Matthew 5 by myself because I was like, maybe I want to know what Jesus said here. Let's refresh. Yeah. And I start reading, happy are those, blessed are those who, who mourn, blessed are the righteous for they, you know, I mean, you know what the Beatitudes are, right? Yeah. This is a church. We're good. Um, <laughs> when you look at the root of that Hebrew word, it means happy are those. Mm. Not just blessed, but happy are those. I'd been asking for two years after this viral video, saying this message of joy in different churches, hearing the divisiveness about joy. Well, you, you mean joy, not happy. You mean not happiness, right? And, and what I felt like is something in me didn't sit right because I feel like we put happiness in a corner. Mm-hmm. And we say, I don't get you, but I get joy. Mm-hmm. I get joy for the hard stuff, but happiness, oh, God forbid I feel anything. And I'm looking at Jesus' first public sermon for 5,000 people, and he made sure to point out, happy are you when you do this. He was heralding, I want my people to be happy. And if you've ever had a friend that's a Jewish friend, I will tell you they are the most resilient, joyful people I have known in this entire planet. That's good. And when I look at them and know them deeply as my friends, I see the joy of their salvation. And, and, and it comes from their God. Now, whether or not we agree on Jesus, Jesus will always be the dividing line for so many things. Yep, yep, yep. You know what I mean? I still see that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has a remnant of his people that he loves and gives them such joy. That's true. And so what I see for us is a church that say, we've got the hope of glory and Yeshua, the Messiah, and we weren't there on the Sermon on the Mount. We didn't hear that come from Jesus' mouth. We now take that sermon and we go, well, you're going to be blessed. So financial gain is coming to you. Friendships are coming to you. Happy marriage. Your kids are going to like you. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you will be happy. And yet the church, by and large, the public opinion of us is not happiness. Yeah. Mm. So I just, I, I want to encourage you. Years later, after that moment, I've had people message me over and over again. I've lost my joy. I don't know how to get it back. I can't remember the last time I laughed like that. Hmm. I would encourage you to to learn a a really unique Hebrew word with me before we leave today. It's really simple. It's called simcha. And you're like, no, that's not simple. Bless you. Exactly. (laughs) It's divided in two words, simcha. And sim means put. And ha means laughter, like ha, 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 right? That's their word for joy. Simcha. So that you would put joy in every single day. You would put not just joy, but laughter, enjoyment in every single day. That's so good. I love it. Remind me offline, I'm going to add to that <clears throat> Sermon on the Mount, some good stuff. It, it's just going to take it further for you. It's good. Um, love it. Yeah. So what, what would you say is your life's mission? I think you probably answered it, but what, what would you say if you had to sum it up? You know when you discover something about yourself that you've been denying forever? Like, I think that that's what happened to me with that video. On a very personal note, people that have known me my whole life knew that I was that lady. You know what I mean? That could just make other people laugh and just, you know, live it up, you know? 
But for me, um, I was blind to that myself. I, I grew up in church. I was a church kid. Doors were open. I was there. Um, I was a worship leader. I play guitar. I sing. My husband's a drummer. Um, and so I songwrite. I thought that I was going to be the next Sandy Patty or Carrie okay. Joe. <laughs> you know, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is everybody church. You know, um, I was on that track. And uh, I felt like the Lord had showed me when I was younger that your voice is going to proclaim my truth. Your voice is, I never knew it would be through a laugh. Yeah, it's good. You know? That's and so, so really, the mission of my life, hands down, is a mantle of joy. And there's a difference between a mantle and a mission. A mission is like a short-term mission trip. You go with your people, you get there, you drop off some goods, you have an encounter, and then you leave. And you're like, whew, that was great, we got pictures. Got pictures. Um, but a mantle is something that outlives your days that you can pass on to your children. That's good. And so I see that there is a mantle of joy that the Lord has given me to bring laughter back into people's homes, bring laughter back into the church, bring laughter into the women that are in our seats right now. Proverbs 31, 25, she looks at the days ahead without fear and laughs at them. Like there is an importance to the laughing that has to happen in the church. And so I, I feel like that, that mantle, it's a pretty big umbrella that I can stand under and do yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah. But my mantle is always going to be bringing joy. Well, you do bring joy. For sure, you bring joy. Well, just in the last few minutes, um, I just kind of want to talk about a little bit of application for us. Because I was studying this week and came across this, actually, it's a psychology website called prevention.com. And uh, I thought it had some good ideas for some application. It, it was it was 12 things that we can do, 12 topics, if you will, science-backed things, they say, that we can do if we're struggling um, with little joy. So 12, taxi, 12 tactics to jumpstart the joy is what they said. Number one. Let's go. Look for meaning. Yeah. Look for meaning. Absolutely. Yeah, there's always, there's always meaning to Who wants everything. to be a daddy, data entry person for your whole life? Yeah, look for meaning. Um, I, I do a lot of data entry, Candace. Thank you. Um, I'm just saying, two, uh, like, no. <laughs> for what purpose? <laughs> number two, think, think small picture. Zoom way in. Maybe even hour to hour. Because we, we live so zoomed out all the time, that's when we start freaking out, I think. You know? Yeah. Zoom in. What can bring you joy today? I thought that was good. Straighten out your spiral. When we're spiraling, start to focus on what's the main thing right now, right? Number four, make room for a passion. Um, number five, set a goal outside your comfort zone. Um, when I thought that, I was like, run a half marathon. Nope, the only way I'm running is if I'm being chased. All right, number six, be present. Put the phone down sometimes. You know, my wife is so good about saying, put the phone down. We all need to listen to that more. Number seven, confront your past. What do you think about that one? No, none of those sound really joyful. I think that yeah. list is garbage. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm kidding. So I'm here's, kidding, where I'm like, here's where I went. The do true, something hard. Do something here, harder. Do something, yeah, do something even worse. Even hate yeah. yourself yeah. for yeah, it. Hate yourself. <laughs> it's great. Well, no, I do I'm like kidding. number 12. I'm kidding. I do like number 12. Uh, number 11, too. Uh, make opportunities for laughter. So you can't mm -hmm. say anything about that. And then <laughs> seek other positive people. Because yeah. I often heard that your yeah, life is going to be the sum total of the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. I tell my teenagers, yeah. um, show me your friends, She's I'll like, show you your future. That's Absolutely. it. That's Absolutely. It. I, no, I, I joke about that no, being I know. garbage. There's but good I will say that what it's touching on that a lot of people don't understand the value in is doing hard things require of us a, an ownership of joy. 
Yeah. Here's the problem is that a lot of us don't press outside of our comfort of what we're capable of yeah. because we feel as though failure will make us more depressed. But what we actually find is a strength of God that he gifts us with is this ownership and pride of doing something well done. And it's a joy that honestly you can't begin to tap into. Right. right. You can't, if you try to manufacture that joy that comes from a job well done, Right. it can't be replicated. That's true. Yeah. Well, I... Yeah. Okay, again, I qualified psychology.com or whatever, uh, whatever that was, uh, prevention.com. I think that there's some spiritual things, more importantly. And so I just kind of added my own to the list. But obviously, know Jesus truly and spend time with him. That sounds trite and almost cliche, but how are you going to know one of the main attributes or characteristics of him if you don't know him? How are you going to walk in it? The fruit of the Spirit is... Joy. So spend time with Jesus. And number two, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude because choosing to be grateful in all situations will be the seed, I think, that can grow a vineyard of joy. And here's what I wrote after that. And know this, it's the vineyards that are tended to with great care that produce the fine wines. How do you know that, Pastor? (laughs) It's a good quote. Well, yeah. He's like, I'm never having her back. That was a good choice. You had a good run, Candace. It was great. Chewbacca mom. Um, Hey. So would you pray for our people? Because one thing I really believe is that when you do carry a mantle, you can release that too. Yeah. And so I would love for you just to pray over our church. I love our church. Let me tell you something about it. I want to brag on our church just a little bit. Our church is a joy-filled, generous, loving church. And I don't say that lightly. Um, I think Kelly and I are probably some of the most blessed people to be able to pastor a church like this. Patient, hello. We're a year delayed in the building, and look, they're still here in a public school with squatty potties that smell. But it's a great church. But here's the other thing. Um, We can always use more joy because the enemy is not sleeping on this. He's gonna come after it all the time. And so would you just pray over our people and then uh, we're just going to respond to the Lord for just a minute before we go. Yeah. So, God, I, I really want to spend some time and just acknowledge the fact that you're here. Like, this is some place that you've decided to just allow your presence to permeate each chair. And the people, it's, it's evident that they've spent time with you. Um, God, I also know, too, that there is a promise in the scripture that we've heard this morning that in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So at the right hand, we know that that belongs to Jesus, Yeshua alone. And because he's at the right hand, he's who we get pleasure from. So God, I ask that this time would not just be a time to learn about joy. This wouldn't be educational or entertainment solely. But Lord, I ask that today these people would leave with a renewed, energized heart that would seek your presence to find the fullness of joy that you've promised. I pray, God, that they wouldn't be satisfied outside of your presence for anything else that counterfeits it. And God, I pray too that pleasures that they long for in Jesus' name would be released. God, that it would bring you glory, that it would bring sight to the blind of the spiritual things in this world, that it would cause those that have no clue who you are to lift up their eyes and see the King of glory and that you're good. And God, would you literally inspire us to spend time with you? We try so hard to do everything but 
be in your word and your presence. And God, I pray right now that that would just be squashed as a tactic of the enemy. And we would see it for what it is, that it is to distract us from the joy that you promise us. It's to take away and steal and rob the joy that you've already given us. The joy that you say you want to make full in us, make complete in us. So God, I'm asking for this church, the people in this this house right now, to fully come awake to how important it is to be in your presence and in your word. That's really all that I can ask God, is start there. That the Bible would come alive to them that the words would just illuminate off the pages, that there would be understanding poured out through your Holy Spirit. God, that your presence would be rich and full and joyful when they meet with you. If they're alone in their car singing worship songs, that their heart would be so stirred they have to pull over, get out and dance. Father, I pray for this church so enamored by your presence that nowhere else compares. There's not a single place they run to for comfort, for encouragement, for safety, for affirmation. But God, they run first and foremost to your presence. When you speak, it's the most joyful thing we can get. When you talk to us about our identity, it's the most joyful word we could have. Father, I ask that for these people in the room today. I ask it for myself. Bring us to your presence, make us fall in love with your word and keep us joy-filled evermore because pleasures are ours through Jesus. And we, we just claim, God, that we love you and we want whatever you want. The joy of you, the joy of you will be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, can you thank Ken? Would you do that? Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, um, Candace. Thank you for the joy that you brought. You, of course, the Lord in you, but thank you for the joy that you've brought yeah, to my, us. It's like a karate kid. There you go. I like it. I like it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, here's what I feel like we, we just kind of need to do for a few minutes because, again, it's not lost on me that sometimes, especially in this season, it's hard to focus on joy. And so I'm going to invite um, prayer team, if you will. Would you come and... Um, see how many we have today and then um yeah i'm gonna invite there you go here's we're gonna start singing right now just gonna respond for just a few moments but i'm gonna invite you to do this i'm gonna invite you to come if you need joy this morning if you if you know that you're in a space where man i just i'm gonna choose i'm gonna rejoice but just need to be encouraged in that would you stand to your feet right now where you are if you feel led, would you come and just let them lay a hand on you and just ask for the joy of Jesus to cover you in this moment, in this season. Would you do it? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out online today. If you need to make a decision about the next steps in your faith journey with Jesus, text CONNECT to 43000. And if you took the first step in your faith journey today by saying yes to Jesus, we want to know about it. And we want to walk with you. So text JESUS to 43000. There you will find some resources and a message from Pastor John. There are so many ways to connect to Declaration. Check out declaration.org to find out more about who we are. Before we go, let's say our declaration together. Because of what the gospel has done in and to us, our lives exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. We will devote ourselves to his word, his presence, and his people. We desire authenticity, intimacy, a heart of service, and to see his kingdom come. We are for Jesus and for people. Hey, have a great week. We're so glad you joined us. Bye for now.